Coming up today on the Lockdown Hornets podcast, we revisit another piece for At The Hive by Mick Smiley. We ask who the hell is Mick Smiley? We also, at the end of the show, have a Larry Brown story told by former Charlotte Bobcat legend Ryan Hollins and this. Anyhow, what was his isolation points per possession? I have no idea. And I'm not going to waste any of my time, my quarantine time, looking that information up. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. The stay-at-home order here in Mecklenburg County is in full effect. As of 8 a.m. this morning, we will have to stay at home quarantine really nothing's really changed there's just now an order out there to make a stay at home now that there can be police enforcement but it was in effect at 8 a.m today i am still able to go into work because apparently doug media is essential it's probably the first time i've ever been described as essential in my lifetime but that's what the government says so i'll take it as gospel it's only essential when i'm a guest on the show (laughs) <laughs> so Tuesdays we can come in because we all get to hear Doug Branson's voice in Mecklenburg County. I We've talked about this. I'm sure it's what everybody's doing, asking how everybody's holding up in quarantine. I've always discussed how I've never been one to really be fixated on a show on any kind of streaming device. I've never been one to get caught up in the latest Netflix craze. And I figured, well, we don't have a whole lot to talk about. I'm going to need as much content as I possibly can get. So I jumped on Tiger King yesterday, binged it, started from the beginning and ended it yesterday. Started wow. and finished all, all seven episodes, about 45 minutes per episode. And I'm done. Uh, it's insane. It lived up to the hype. I'm surprised that it lived up to the hype because this thing is catching, catching on fire as much as anything is. I mean, this thing is crazy popular. And I wonder if you have started it yet, Doug. I have not. No, I'm I'm catching up on Brockmire, a series that I've wanted to uh, to watch for a long time, and it's on Hulu. So I can only do one thing at a time, man. I can't I can't just sit there and watch a bunch of television. I got my brain doesn't work like that. I, I got to do a lot of different things. So I only have really room for one television show, and right now it's Brockmire. It's funny because you act like you are the busiest man in the world when you're supposed to be the laziest piece of bleep like all of us. Instead, you're taking up piano during this time. Uh, You are now a better Rocket League player. You now are reading quite a bit. Even if you don't like to read for the show in preparation for the show, you do like to read quite a bit. So you're basically making all all of us look like fools with everything that you're interested in. Well, I choose what to be lazy in. I think that's, that's really the lesson here is that, no, I'm not generally a lazy person, but I choose what I like to be lazy in. All right, let's go to something. Uh, we're pretty lazy once again, going back to At The Hive. At The Hive, not lazy. They keep coming out with content in these times about the Charlotte Hornets, little nuggets that may go unnoticed throughout the regular season. We talked with Chase Whitney yesterday. Uh, I want to go back to another article, at thehive.com. It's about isolation, the offense, uh, isolation offense for the Charlotte Hornets. And before I even read the first sentence, Doug, I want to get to two things before I even start reading it. One is the subtitle, and <laughs> the subtitle is isolation is good for the coronavirus, but it's been bad offense for the Hornets this year. <laughs> Always okay. find the local angle. <laughs> excellent, excellent subtitle from at the hive.com. And it's by, uh, and before we even get it again, I can't even get past the subtitle before I'm caught by something else 
uh, before I read the first sentence. It's by Mick Smiley, which it's not this guy's real name. It's got to yeah, be well, this. Hold on. We don't know that. We don't know that for a fact. I don't know Mick Smiley. Oh, yeah. Now, now you're the connoisseur of real journalism. Saying, let's is, not speculate. Yeah. Mick Smiley is the guy that wrote it. Just a fantastic. I hope it is his real name because it's fantastic. I really hope there's a real Mick Smiley out there giving us Hornets content and creating excellent subtitles. I'm sure in this world there is someone named Mick Smiley. I'm going to look it up. I think he works for At The Hive. At least that's what I'm going to go with. That's what I'm exclusively reporting. So, again, this is about isolation offense for the Charlotte Hornets. And now it hadn't been all that good. So we go down to the chart. He gives us a couple of the numbers um, about the points per possession when each of these players runs an ISO play. And he writes, quote, Charlotte's best isolation player is Terry Rozier, but he produces just 0.88 points per possession on 35.1% shooting an output which places him just above league average at the 55th percentile. P.J. Washington's 0.87 points per isolation possession is just a shade behind Rozier, but P.J. shoots a healthy 54.5%. The downside is he only goes into isolation 3.1% of the time. So those are your two best point-per-possession isolation players that you have on the team. I find it interesting, right? Rozier shooting only 35%. P.J. Washington shooting much better than that, 545 but if we were to break that down as to why that is, Doug, before we start to dig a little bit deeper into some of the other players, I think P.J. Washington, right, not taking as many threes. When he does shoot threes, I should say, it's not coming from isolation. It's coming on catch and shoot. He's somebody that's just spotting up at the three-point line. Somebody else might dribble, penetrate, kick out to P.J., and he's there to knock it down. So if he's shooting threes, then it's of the catch and shoot variety, not of the isolation. And so PJ having a much higher percentage, but it's all because it's coming in the paint or within two point range, Terry, not so much shooting quite a bit of threes um, when he goes into isolation. So to me, I thought that was just an interesting breakdown of the way that both of those guys played basketball, I guess, within this whole concept of the article. Well, the interesting part of it, and it's uh, Mick Smiley makes a note of it, is not the players that are at the top of the list for the Charlotte Hornets. It's the player that isn't, and that's Devontae Graham sitting at .69. I mean, a very nice points per possession, but not nice in terms of the ability to affect a game from isolation. Field goal percentage sits at 25.9%, and that that checks out because, you know, when Devontae Graham started to slump, you could you could directly look at his pull-up three-point shooting numbers and see how dramatically they had dropped from the beginning of the season when he was flaming hot and, and getting all of this buzz for most improved player and, and so on and so forth. Uh, when that pull-up jump shot went away, it took a, a, a lot away from Devontae Graham's ability to change a game offensively. Now, that started to come back towards the end of the season, but also you could see him moving more into catch and shoot than he was his pull-up game. And and a lot of that thanks to Terry Rozier, who was assisting a lot of those shots to Devontae Graham, allowing him to get more catch and shoot opportunities than pull-up opportunities. So that's one factor. The other factor for Devontae Graham, which is well-documented on this show, his inability to get inside and finish through contact or, or find a way just to get inside and make something happen in isolation. And so all, you take all of this together. Malik Monk, not a great isolation player. Devontae Graham, not a great isolation player. Terry Rozier, average. P.J. Washington, average. This is what we talk about, folks, when we say that the Hornets don't have that like elite star that can take you into the playoffs and, and playoff success because the other teams have it. Like James Harden is your po points per possession leader in isolation, 1.12. He's a guy that can go get a bucket 
whenever he likes, but especially when the game's on the line. Damian Lillard, same way. Kawhi Leonard, same way. The Hornets don't have that. And I don't, maybe Devontae Graham would probably be the one guy because he's so young that has the most potential to become that. Uh, because I don't think PJ Washington is ever going to be a great isolation player in bulk. I mean, not on the perimeter, right? I mean, if you're counting this right. in post ups and on the perimeter, that's not PJ's game. But if you get it to him on the block, kind of like we talked about with Miles when he went through that impressive stretch, it was the usage percentage. And I imagine Miles, but again, you look at him, he's just 0.77. But we're also talking about a little bit less of a stretch than what PJ Washington endured this season. Well, and, and you look at Miles and his ISO frequency is only at 4.9%. Again, relative to Terry at 7.4, Devontae at 7.9, and Malik at, at 4. He's right there with Malik at 4.9. So he's not, you know, he can't, cre- or at least he is not creating his own shot. And and his points per possession are at 0.77. So it, it's not like he really can create his own shot efficiently. So So that's not... That's not totally great for Miles Bridges either. But but I was looking this up because I was interested. Like, okay, we know Terry Rozier average. We know Devontae Graham below average. Well, what about Kimba Walker? So let's let's kind of take a look back through the years. Kimba Walker. Now, they, they started tracking this in 2015-16, so we don't know what it was before then. But in 2015-16, uh, Kimba Walker, 7.7% frequency, 0.72 points per possession. So relative to this year, that would be below average. Then you go to 16-17, it goes up to 0.76. 17-18, it goes to 0.82. So you can see it's on the rise. And then, bam, 2018-19, frequency 8.2%. He was doing it a lot more. And his points per possession, 1.03, closing in on that James Harden number. So really, that's his last year in Charlotte. It really shows you how much Kimba Walker grew in those four years and how much of a burden he took on himself with the offense. But that just shows me, Walker, that Devontae Graham can get better because Kimba Walker did. I feel like we always go to Kimba Walker as the poster child for players can get better because he absolutely was the guy we all looked to that we didn't love at the beginning of his career here in Charlotte, but then he did get better to the point where he was a consecutive all-star. That's the guy, right? Like that's what I used for Malik Monk. This is what we use for Devonte Graham in certain instances. That's, that's the guy you look to. And a lot of it was because he shot so much better. Kimba Walker wasn't the best shooter until he started to what? fourth year in the league, fifth year in the league, sixth year in the league. That's when he started to become a better shooter. And you look at Terry Rozier's field goal percentage in isolation, it's only 35, but we mentioned the increased points per possession. It's funny because I, I just, you look at Devonte, his, his shooting is way down. Like you can easily see that's an easy trend. But with Terry, it also kind of is funny because we like Terry for the way that he's been able to develop as a catch and shoot player. And he shot over 40% from three, but so much of that is because how effective he's become at the two spot. And I think that kind of happened by accident this year. We've talked about that, right? But I think that's just another stat. The isolation numbers for Terry Rozier, that kind of happened by accident. Um, or as, as far as the catch and shoot numbers, I should say, for Terry Rozier, that happened by accident because of the way Devontae Graham improved this season. Yeah, and I, I would just say, like, I, I'm not worried about Devontae Graham because, again, between Kimba Walker's no. third and fourth season, he developed a three-point shot that he could launch in isolation. Uh, but it really took three or four more years of concerted effort uh, in terms of finishing inside to really turn him into the 1.08 deadly points per possession isolation player that Kimball Walker became. Unfortunately, it was wasted in a season when he wasn't able to do anything in the playoffs. 
Yeah. And how about the foul shots, Doug? I don't know if you're looking at it. I'm trying to pull it up, but I would imagine the foul shots, Kimba's ability to get to the line really helped him as well. Uh, be a, a, a player that could really get you quite a bit of points per possession. Uh, in yeah, isolation shooting, shooting foul frequency, 11%. That's good. And one frequency, 4.1%. That was one of the highest on the team. <laughs> Dwayne Bacon, actually not many possessions in isolation, but was excellent last season, 10.8% frequency at a 1.34% points per possession again the possession number itself low 0.7 compared to Kimball Walker's 2.1 but those are astounding numbers for Dwayne Bacon that he could not hold on to this season uh, this season he was 0.6 possessions 7.3 frequency 0.73 points per possession so it really fell through the floor you can be good in isolation as well by supporting local. And the way you can do that, Queen City Beauty Group is proud to announce the launch of their new skincare line with special pricing and free shipping. The skincare experts at Queen City Beauty Group have partnered with Keep It Hempel. That's an award-winning Charlotte, North Carolina cultivator of hemp. And you can keep it hempel and they bring you their line of CBD masks each individually suited for specific skin conditions. CBD has been shown to have a host of benefits for you, and it greatly contributes to proper skin function. How do you know there's no THC in your CBD? Their hemp is state-tested just in case you are. If you cannot get to Queen City Beauty Group for treatment, uh, you can still have home treatments customized to your skin condition. Don't waste your money on drugstore skin treatments that are full of ingredients you can't pronounce. They have three masks in total to address nearly any skin condition. How are Queen City Beauty Group's masks different than what you'll find in a drugstore? These masks are effective, and these products offer targeted solution for your condition or if you have multiple conditions. These products won't leave you high or dry. For a limited time, purchase three masks for only $30 and get free shipping. Purchase the Facial Getaway Survive and Thrive Bundle today. In that bundle, you can get one of each mask. There's three total. You get free shipping, and you also get a virtual consultation with Nichelle to maximize your benefits from the treatments. To purchase, go to queencitybeautygroup.com. That's www.queencitybeautygroup.com. Click Shop. Find Facial Getaway Survive and Thrive Bundle to get yourself or a loved one on the way to a healthier you. Queen City Beauty Group, skincare for all. A couple more segments to go here on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. So if you don't believe in the moon landing, Mm -hmm. then what would you say is the greatest human achievement? I think the greatest achievement of all time, and I think it's Vince Carter doing 360s clockwise rather than counterclockwise. It's really tough. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. We are allowing At The Hive to do our work for us with a couple of articles that have been released the last few days. Chase Whitney joined us yesterday. That was a good time to talk with him about his all-rookie first team, P.J. Washington making an appearance, Cody Martin making an honorable mention in his article about some of the better rookies that we saw play this season. At The Hive at it again, helping us out uh, with an article by Mick Smiley on points per possession and the isolation offense for the Charlotte Hornets. The real question about all of this is not how good the Hornets play in isolation. The real question is who the hell is Mick Smiley? And is it somebody that's a real person? Doug, I understand you have some more information on that. Okay, so again, we don't know if this Mick Smiley is a username or if it is an actual person named Mick Smiley. Now, we were starting to question whether there has ever been a Mick Smiley that has existed on this earth. And in fact, there has been Mick Smiley. I looked this up online on ghostbusters.fandom.com. Mick's, you know it. That's right. It's a credited source. 
Mick Smiley is a singer and bass player. He is known for providing the song Magic for Ghostbusters and writing Kiss Me Deadly for Leah Ford from the Lita album. Smiley's real name is Mark Sipola. So maybe this is Mark Sipola uh, writing for AtTheHive.com. Maybe it is his uh, alter ego, Mick Smiley, the bass player and singer of uh, Magic for the Ghostbusters soundtrack. So go check that out. Also, um, I just played that Vince Carter bump, Walker, and uh, I've been talking to uh, Michael and Nichelle Mosley from Queen City Beauty Group trying to get a hold of some of those masks. And in an email, uh, Michael let me know that Nichelle is, among uh, so many other things, is a professionally trained dancer with ballet training, and she has confirmed that the reverse 360 by Vince Carter might actually be the greatest human achievement because it is really hard. I'm telling you, it was amazing to see Vince Carter. I don't know why. I don't know why he, when I was a kid, I noticed that he was going the other way and everybody else went the the, the right way. I mean, so I'm, thank you. I'm glad I have people that can back me up. And that's exactly why you should support Queen City Beauty Group because they actually are able to debunk some of the things that we try to figure out here on this podcast. Some other things we try to figure out uh, besides just the overall offense and why things are the way they are. When it comes to the isolation offense for the Charlotte Hornets, thanks to Mick Smiley, um, Ryan Hollins had an interesting story. I don't. I think he was on the Rejecting the Screen podcast, That's a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, hosted by Noah Kozlov. And Noah Kozlov had again former Charlotte Bobcat Ryan Hollins on his show. Legend. He <laughs> yes, Bobcat's legend for sure. And Ryan Hollins had an interesting story on Larry Brown's practice conditions. Uh, here's Ryan Hollins and a little uh, snippet from that show, Rejecting the Screen. It, so speaking of hard work, a few years into your career, it was uh, your third season. You ended up getting traded that year from Charlotte, but Larry Brown took over as head coach. And I heard Adam Morrison tell this story on Doug Gottlieb's podcast once that that during training camp, Larry Brown was running like two a days or three a days, and he was just he was working you guys way more hours than anybody had ever been worked. And Jason Richardson went to the league or went to the Players Association to report Larry Brown. What were the details of that? I can't remember, like, you know, specific word for word, but, you know, Larry would keep us long. And, like, here's the deal about Larry's practices. They weren't hard, but you, they were long because, I swear to God, we couldn't go up and down the floor two times without Larry stopping to play and explaining to us what should happen or teaching us or saying something or yelling at somebody. So you would literally get cold. He would yell so much that you never got a good run and you would get cold and we would end up staying in there forever. And, you know, what's funny is I think when that, when it kind of came around, <laughs> Larry Brown goes, and I love him to this day for it. He said, Oh, y'all, y'all think y'all funny. Y'all reported me. He said, well, I don't give a, you know what, we're going to do it again. <laughs> and, you know, when the season actually started, Larry Brown will work you out in three tiers. Everybody had to come in to start. And Larry would play. Larry was always a mind game. He was always like a, a, you know, like messing with you, you know, challenging you as a player. So he'd say, starters, get out of here. You guys are done. For those of you who serve starters, you know who you are. So essentially, it was like veterans who played the night before. Get out of here. And then we would just go through the plays with those guys. Then the second string of guys, we would start workout moves. And he, Larry's big thing was run with the basketball, guys. Run with the ball. Run with the ball. So we do these, you know, pivot drills. And then he would say, guys, you played minutes the night before, and you know you should leave. It was a mind trick. You know you should leave. 
get out of here. So then he would go through drills with the rest of the guys. And then he would get skinnier and skinnier, about four or five guys left. And he'd say, man, well, if you played, whatever, you know, you should go. And, you know, maybe like a younger guy who played minutes by that time would leave. So the next thing you know, it's me, Alexis Ajinka, who was just drafted at that time, 7-1, out of France, and um, I think another player. And I swear to God, Larry Brown was the first person in my career during practice. We start going through drills like it was the NBA draft. And at first, I was kind of complaining, but I was like, this dude is kind of like my cup of tea. So with Larry Brown, I was doing like dunk drills, you know, two-ball pickups. So I don't know if you know about mm-hmm. a dunk drill. It's one of the mm-hmm. grimiest drills you can do in basketball. The basketball is on – you have the basketball on the east block, and you crab, dribble, dunk, boom, crab, dribble, dunk, boom, back and forth, back and forth. It's one of the most conditioning drills you can do in basketball. We were doing that drill. But what Larry Brown was doing was conditioning a guy like myself to grow and improve in the midst of a basketball season. No one else – they always told me, and this is a true story, you'll never work as hard as you do for the NBA draft as you do in the regular season or as a right, pro. Right. Now, guys like Kobe mm-hmm. Bryant probably never turn it off. The great, late, great Kobe Bryant, they don't turn it off. Michael Jordan doesn't turn it off. Those type of guys didn't turn off that work ethic in the midst of the season. But for the rest of us, that's the hardest you'll work. But Larry Brown pushed me to that point. I get traded to Dallas in the same year, and I end up making the most money I've ever made in my life, uh, signed for 2.7 or whatever for three years um, in Dallas, 2.5 a year or whatever, so $7 million. So it it was a blessing, and it's funny. Like, Larry gave me three rules, and it was very old school and unconventional. So normally in basketball, everybody has an assignment, right? If you're the low guy, you go help. If you're the top guy, you crack down. He said, Ryan, you have three rules, and I'm going to hold you to these three rules every time you're on my court. He said, you go and get every single block shot. I said, well, coach, what if it's not my assignment? He said, I don't care if it's not your assignment or not. You go out to every block shot. He said, you go after every single rebound. I said, coach, what if I'm on the other side of the floor and a guy's taking a layup? So you need to spring down to get the rebound every time. I don't care where you're coming from. That's your job. And he said, you need to run the floor every single time, like a bat out of hell. I said, Larry, sometimes it just doesn't make sense. If I tell you the first time I didn't do it, Larry Brown chewed me out like, like I've never been chewed out before. But those three rules, even though they seem silly to me, they put me in a position to take care of my family. Like I've never been able to. So I love them mm. to this day for it. But guys, I, I trust me. I feel Allen Iverson when he's me. We talk about practice. <laughs> like, <laughs> I felt that because Larry's gonna break you down to buy into what he's doing. Walker, that uh, that section there with Ryan Hollins. I mean, it's so rich and full of delicious Bobcats history nuggets. And I, I know we're going to talk about it more in the next segment. But it was it was so full of information that I like. I need a, a summary of it. I need something like Blinkist to come in and give me the 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 actual necessary information because there was so much in there. Uh, Blinkist is really cool. If you haven't checked this out yet, it works on your phone, your tablet, or your web browser. Blinkist essentially takes the best key takeaways, the need-to-know information from thousands of nonfiction books, and condenses them down into just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. Successful people all over the world, like you know, business leaders, are well-known for reading a lot of books. Blinkist is made for busy people just like you, who want to get the main points of a book quickly 
so that you can start using that information right away. It has an audio feature, so you can essentially listen to the summary of a book anywhere, anytime. I downloaded the Sports Gene Blinkist, this book, The Sports Gene, Inside the Science of Extraordinary Athletic Performance by David Epstein, 15 minutes, bam, I had all the information that I needed. With Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books, all the books you want, and all for one low price. Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer that's just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com NBA, try it for free for seven days, and you get to save 25% off your new subscription. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash NBA to start your free seven-day trial, and you'll also save 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash NBA. Remember, when you support our sponsors, you are essentially supporting this show. We have become that show. We have become desperate. We talk about Ryan Hollins in a Bobcats uniform next. Yes. This is Locked on Hornets. Then I clicked on M. Thomas. I'm like, who in the hell is M. Thomas? Matt Thomas is oh, his name. Oh, NBA legend, Matty Thomas. <laughs> he, he, Matt he Thomas, at all. I'm pretty sure Matt Thomas <laughs> served me at an Applebee's the other day. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Fun story from Ryan Hollins there about Larry Brown. Larry Brown being a guy that clearly was a basketball savant, had a crazy basketball IQ, and was successful in a lot of different stops. No matter if he went to Kansas and coached the Jayhawks to a national championship, doesn't matter if he actually got to the NBA, coached the Detroit Pistons to an NBA championship, got the Philadelphia 76ers to an NBA championship, but did not win that. Uh, We all know about the accolades that Larry Brown has been able to accumulate on his many, many stops. But how about a stop here with the Charlotte Bobcats, where he actually got the Bobcats to their first ever playoff appearance as a franchise. Ryan Hollins being on one of the teams that Larry Brown coached and talked a little bit about how crazy the practice conditions were. What were some of your main takeaways from Ryan Hollins and that snippet from rejecting the screen? Yeah, unfortunately, Ryan Hollins was not able to be part of that playoff team because he got traded midway through that season to uh, Dallas. One quick thing, though, on Ryan Hollins. He is a legend in my mind because uh, when he was a member of the Clippers, I used to use the Clippers a lot in that uh, 2013-14, so that would have been NBA 2K14. I used to use the Clippers a lot uh, as my main 2K team. And Ryan Hollins, despite he, – I mean, he never took a three-point shot. Like, he was not, he was not a three-point shooter. He was not a, he was not a stretch guy. And, uh, but he was on that game. I, it was inexplicable to me, but Ryan Hollins was a beast – for the Clippers as a stretch four. I, I, again, I have no idea why. It was not a shooting big, um, but there you have it. Uh, did have an effective field goal percentage in that 13-14 year of 73.6. Uh, not bad. Pretty damn good, even though he didn't play uh, too many minutes for that Clippers team. Anyhow, what was his isolation points per possession? I have no idea, and I'm huh. not going to waste any of my time, my quarantine time, looking that information up. But I will All tell right. you this. Fine. Just lazy. <laughs> that story illustrates for me Larry Brown and his ability to get your team to the playoffs, but only if he destroys it first. And, and there are coaches that litter the, the NBA historical landscape that, that are like that. They come in and they say, look, I got to do this my way. I'm going to break this team down. I'm going to make everyone cry. Everyone's going to hate their job. But damn it, we're going to win 45 games and we're going to make the playoffs. And Clifford was like that, but... 
like a, a slow release version of that because he, you know he he got everyone to buy in, but he didn't have to make everyone hate him. But it just over time wore down on everyone. Whereas Larry Brown, he's like he's like one of those rockets, like Apollo rockets that got us to the moon. Like yes, it'll get you to the moon, but like seventy five percent of the rocket gets destroyed in the process, and and you have to build a, a completely new one to get back to the moon. Uh, that's what it's like. The the really successful coaches, your Steve Kerr's, your Greg Popovich, they're like these like Tesla rockets or SpaceX rockets that they're trying to work on now that you shoot up, but then they can land and they can do it again. Those are the elite coaches that find a way to break a team down, but build them back up and do it all again next season. It's the second time I've heard a story about Larry Brown, where you feel like you hate the guy throughout the journey, but then become a better person or player at the end of it. And Jalen Rose has talked about Larry Brown quite a bit when he talked about this, I don't know, years ago when Grantland was still a thing with ESPN, he mentioned that Larry Brown tried to get him out of the league, but at the end of all of that, right? He said, Larry Brown didn't like him as a player. He didn't like him as a person. And he, <laughs> what and else so, is there? <laughs> I know like him either and either love him as a cook though i just i mean he was delicioso yeah jalen rose was cooking it up nice and that was the only thing that larry brown liked about him but it drove him to go to and may and larry brown drove him to talk to a therapist and i guess he was quote unquote diagnosed i only put the quotes there because that's what jalen uh, spoke about it in terms of putting the quotes there but i said i was diagnosed with adhd and in order to understand that problem made him a better person it's just funny right like larry brown he's he's talked about how bad that journey was with larry brown about how it, it was just they were always butting heads mm -hmm. we know about Allen iverson and larry brown butting heads, but Allen got to the NBA finals and Allen respects Larry. Allen talks about Larry Brown, at least currently in a light that's pretty favorable towards him. It's just funny how that's the kind of experience most people have with that coach. Yeah. I mean, I just think it's, it's, you know, I wonder too, if, if some of it is you, you can learn to appreciate it later on if you're early in your career, whereas Jason Richardson did not appreciate it at all. And in fact, according <laughs> to the lore, you know, went to the league and said, hey, enough's enough with this guy. I can't do this anymore. I mean, that's the, that's the legend. Um, but I wonder if, like, you're a young guy like Ryan, yeah, you're going to hate it, but then you'll learn to appreciate it later. Whereas if you're a veteran, you've already been through the rigmarole, and then this guy comes in and tries to, you know, tell, tell you everything that you need to know. I, I think that's probably part of it. By the way, Ryan Hollins on my Mount Rushmore for all hot take former NBA player turned analyst team. Oh, yeah. Ryan Hollins is crazy, man. Like, I can't stand some of the takes that he gives. And it'd be one thing if you're a hot take artist. That's fine. But a lot of it is just kind of dumb where, man, you are making way too much of a stretch. Ryan Hollins is on that Mount Rushmore. If I were to think of a couple more. At well, what, the are some, what are some uh, hot takes that he's had that, that come to mind? I have no clue. I forget all of them. So it's on. <laughs> they're so, they're so hot. They burn up in the atmosphere uh, yeah, and done. you can't even remember what they are. Just like that rocket. Just like maybe we can go with the rocket and gravity that just falls apart before it comes back to earth. I have no recollection of them. Paul Pierce. I remember one time, I think Paul Pierce is certainly on Mount Rushmore for this. Just one, not being a good NBA analyst, but also I remember one time, I think it was like a couple of years ago and he tried to say that DeMarcus Cousins was the MVP over uh, a clear MVP. Maybe it was even James Harden at that point. I forget who it was, but that's the only kind of half-baked take I can give you from Paul Pierce there. Well, Barkley um, certainly has to be there for his Golden State Warriors take. Yes, that, that's the easy one. He's probably, I mean, yeah, he's the George Washington of the Mount Rushmore hot <laughs> I would go 
Kendrick Perkins is also there. Kendrick Perkins to me, he's somebody that's easily among the other three former NBA players turned NBA analyst. I think that's my Mount Rushmore. Charles Barkley, Paul Pierce, Ryan Hollins, Kendrick Perkins. I think that's, that's a fantastic Mount Rushmore. I have I'm not gonna hot take and say that you got it wrong. I think you you have selected some of the finest NBA hot take artists there are. That were former players. I think I nailed it. All right, that wraps up this edition of Lockdown Hornets. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Lockdown NBA. We will be doing a another viewing party again. That'll be tomorrow. It'll be me. It'll be Doug. It'll be David. All hanging out once again. What game are we watching, Doug? Again, it's uh, it's the game. It's games uh, four, four through six play. of the, and we're not watching all three of the games in their entirety. We're actually watching the fourth quarters of games four through six of the 2001 Eastern Conference semifinal matchup between the Charlotte Hornets and the Milwaukee Bucks. You might remember it as the closest the Hornets ever came to making an Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, so we'll watch the fourth quarters of those games. Baron Davis, Eldon Campbell, P.J. Brown, Jamal Mashburn in all of his glory. What a fun Bucks team that was, too, with young Ray Allen that was mm-hmm. dunking on people at that time. We had Big Dog on that team. That Cassell, was a fun And Sam Cassell, um, the grandson of uh, legend Herman Cassell of the Hornets alternate universe, who has somehow traveled in time into the future to be drafted by the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, Sam Cassell was huge in that series, uh, unfortunately, for the Charlotte Hornets. If Mitch Kupchak doesn't draft Herman Cassell, then virtual Mitch fired. Kupchak. Virtual Mitch Kupchak, maybe his grandson or his grandfather is the GM at that point. Whoever, whatever Kupchak generation it is, he needs to be fired if he doesn't draft Herman Cassells. Set a game with you tomorrow. Have a great day. We'll see you then.